How do I accept my partner being attracted to other people? Welcome to the Therapy Brothers Podcast. I'm Brandon. I'm Tyler. We're brothers, we're therapists, and we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with real recovery. Hey, Tyler, you ready to have some hard conversations? Let's do it. Let the Therapy Brothers podcast begin. Brandon, how's it going, man? Ah, it's going really well. Um, I got a big... Uh, my gut still feels really full from your wife whipping up dinner last night. You you had a part in it too, but her roast was way better than yours. <laughs> I, I got to teach you how to use a smoker, man. Oh man, I had it perfect, and then I overcooked it. I feel terrible. <laughs> yeah. Hey, at least she had hers. It was excellent. Yeah. Thank goodness she was yeah. there to bail me out. So. <laughs> yeah, and everything else that she made was excellent. So yeah, no, it, was, it was nice of you guys to come up. We always love seeing the family, so it's always good to get everyone together for Sunday dinner. Yeah, I think I gained about twenty five pounds, but <laughs> but it was worth it every bite. <laughs> yeah, you get that who kind knew of... cream corn could blow my mind. <laughs> I know corn of all, of all things, <laughs> just like just oh my gosh, I can't even explain yeah. it. But cream corn, amazing. Yeah. Anyways. Well, well, let's jump into it, man. Should we? <laughs> on that note, <laughs> Emily, welcome back to the show. Hi, guys. Um, so Emily was here with us. Uh, uh, her show aired on May 1st. It was two, uh, episode 230. Um, if you want to reference that and kind of look back at some background of her story, because we're not going to get into all of the background here today. We're going to try to focus in and hone in on a specific question. So... But Emily, could you fill, fill us in a little bit of what's been going on with you since we talked last and the question that you have? Yeah, sure. So since being on the podcast earlier this year, I feel like um, me and my partner, we made some changes. Um, I would say for the better, definitely have gotten away from focusing, you know, solely on sex, you know, after being told, you know, this isn't about sex, which was really good. I kind of took the pressure off of that since we had mm -hmm. so much invested in that. And so um, I switched therapists on someone who is um, like very uh, betrayal trauma-y and sometimes I think that's a good thing and sometimes I don't um, but that's another topic for another day um, but I, I've been diving a lot more into my own work and um, that has been a blessing as well because you know I think for so long so much of my recovery work was invested in the relationship and so you know really since May transitioning out of that has been tough but it's been so much better. Um, and so our relationship, I don't, I think it's better, but it's just different. So it's kind of like comparing apples and oranges, you know, because mm -hmm. I'm trying to, um, it's, it's new, it's different. And I want it to be different because I don't want it to be the same because we're going backwards then. So um, throughout my work, I definitely have found that, um, you know, I've been thinking a lot more about how I don't want to, I don't want to just stop like this addiction stuff. Like I don't like, yes, I do want to stop it, but I'm saying is I don't want to stop there. Like, let's just stop these bad behaviors. I feel like before I got into the relationship with my partner, I was very sex positive or so I thought, right. And mm -hmm. to find out sex isn't just the act of physical penetration. It's all of these other things. Right. And so I'm, I'm finding out I'm not as sex positive in some areas that I think I am. And so one of those things is, um, you know, really accepting my partner's um, sexuality and attraction for other people. Now, of course, this is happening in the context of a relationship where I do believe that 
there is a pornography addiction. And so, um, you know, that's kind of been hard to piece out, but I definitely have come to the conclusion that, you know, um, even if he wasn't addicted to porn or even if he didn't have this type of relationship to pornography, I would still struggle with this. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it's something I want to look at because, you know, even if Sean and I don't, you know, have a successful relationship in the end by staying together or whatever, this is still my work that mm. I'm going to have to do. And I'm going to have to bring into, even if that is a new relationship with Sean and, you know, I would like that to happen. I think we are very compatible in certain aspects, but I just know like this, this is mine. This is my, uh, bridge to cross. So mm -hmm. I think I'm, I'm ready to start talking about it, ready to start, you know, working with it Tyler do you want to start yeah like um number one this is like a really really common kind of issue and question so I think it I, I appreciate you being willing to come on and talk about it because I know that there's going to be a lot of people that relate to what we're going to talk about today so thank you um there's there's a couple of a couple of sides to this I think and we'll probably get deeper into this as we talk a little bit where I think what I hear you saying is, is that being human beings, it's kind of wired into us to be attracted to certain kinds of things, right? And you're saying that even just that natural level of whatever attraction would be there, if it wasn't with your partner, if it was anybody else, you'd still have issues with that because it would feel, what to you, threatening? Feel, threatening, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then you add on top of that, that there is a history, at least in your current relationship of your partner that has taken not only the feelings that are there, but, all, but also pursued those things in, in ways that are outside of your relationship with each other. Mm -hmm. So, so there's two parts to that. One is just the natural, like feeling and acceptance part of it. But then there's also the, the history of the relationship part of it too. And they kind of cross over and there's, there's definitely, um, it, it can be, it can feel difficult to try to sift out what's legitimate in terms of the current relationship and the past history there versus what my own personal work is. And, uh, and so I can see why it would be, it would feel difficult and be confusing. Does it make yeah. sense? Yeah. Um, um go ahead. Oh, Brandon. Well, I was just going to add to, to kind of what you're saying. I, I like where you're starting Tyler. Um, there's this uh there's this lie i think that oftentimes people believe and it's and, and before i say this i want to back up a little bit this question we get all the time emily and and the answer that we give to this question oftentimes really triggers people they have a hard time with the reality of it <clears throat> um but the reason why we talk about it is because facing the reality of this actually sets you free and actually helps you like create intimacy and all kinds of good things in your relationship. So it's an important thing to overcome, but it also really triggers people. And this lie is that, um, you know, my sexuality, when I, when I commit to you, when I marry you, when I get in a committed relationship with you, then attraction turns off from the rest of the world and it is just toward you now, 100% you. And we we define that as fidelity and um, you know commitment and all these things. And there's this really beautiful thing, and I think it has to do with masculinity and femininity, um, 
where when a person can fully be honest and open and say, yes, I have sexual attraction. I have sexual attraction to other people to like, that's, that's real for me. And I'm honest about that. And I choose you. Like I mm-hmm. want you. Um, and so I, I can create safety with you in a relationship, um, trust, fidelity, all those things can exist with my sexuality, my honest to goodness, authentic sexuality being a part of this relationship. And that's where real trust and real intimacy is built when both people come to the table, authentic, honest, open. And so it's hard to mix that authenticity, that level of vulnerability with betrayal trauma and sex addiction because there's so much lying and deceit and all this stuff. So it's easier for a couple to almost rely on some fear and control and hiding than it is on the vulnerability of both of our sexuality being on the table. Do you see what I'm saying? Um, yeah. You you know all this stuff, Emily. I You are like an awesome client because like you're here like, I know this, I get this. I want to shift. I want to accept this, but I want to ask you, what's in the way of that? What gets in the way of you saying, I understand this. I want to like really feel it in my heart that this is true and accept that. Mm. Oh, I think a lot of it is shame for sure. Like, um, my, my new therapist and I talk a lot about that, how like, I am so good at the, the knowing of, I'm all, I'm really cognitive, you know, I'm really good Mm -hmm. at the knowing about, I'm learning, I got all of that down, but moving that, you know, my sponsor tells me the longest journey is from the head to the heart, that 14 inch journey. Um, so I would say it's the shame, you know, feeling like, and, and this, and I know this is a me thing, you know, totally some of the stuff he's done has not been okay, but this this is a me thing too, because, um, I'm well aware that I had very similar feelings even before he came into the picture. You know, if someone had something physically, physically feature or whatever, it meant that like the story is, you know, they have that they're better than me. So I must not be enough. Like that's the, that's the story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can mm-hmm. f- see the shame there, Tyler, you can see the shame there, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, and again, I think that's, that's the challenge is, is that <clears throat> there's the shame there that obviously, I mean, that's why you're here, Emily, is you want to work on your own shame, but that shame is also connected to past life experience. And so, you know, when you take something where there's already this insecurity and then you have life experience that maybe has led to you feeling like there have been people who have betrayed you or or done behaviors that you don't necessarily agree with or fit with your own value system i think that's one of the reasons why it's so hard to go from the head to the heart because there's something in the head that is clinging to some form of control in order to try to feel safe, even though it never actually provides the safety. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. Oh, totally. Yes, absolutely. Think about shame that what's underneath shame. Shame's actually secondary. Fear. Yeah. Fear. It, It always comes back to fear and, and usually it's fear of, of what? I think the biggest ones for me are like abandonment and then like being alone. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It's fear of, of abandonment, rejection, being losing connection, not being enough. And then fear that I'm not enough to be loved. And, and Mm. so, so in those moments you're dealing with, you're dealing with fear and, um, think about it like if you're walking down the street and let's say your husband kinks his neck because he's like checking women out um right in front of you okay so it it triggers it triggers all the shame off of like what's wrong with me how come you're not choosing me okay in that moment emily um and and then the other side of you comes in the logical side of like i've heard brandon and my therapist and tyler say like yeah he has sexual attraction that's part of life like i i should totally be okay with this Okay, so your your logic, like your your ego is starting to kick in of like, I'm not okay with that. That hurts, but I should be okay with that. What is the opposite of acting in that shame, in that fear, in that moment? Um, I think knowing. So so acting opposite. So like definitely before the betrayal trauma addiction terminology in a relationship i would just like oh you know start saying things like oh are you looking at her you know doing all those things that i'm not proud to say i did but yep. very much did um i think acting opposite would just uh, um let let it happen because i don't i don't want to police like i've been there and it's just i hate that it's not good for me so like Oh, what yes. if you what if you're like what if there's a part of you that's sad or mm. you know sad that he that he's he does turn his head that far that he he does go that far with his his I'll say lust maybe he goes to that point of lust what if you're sad should you just shut mm. up and smile and be like no I'm supposed to accept this no okay um no. should you like yank his head toward your direction and say stop it Stop looking that no. way. No. Heck no. Heck no. So so this is the tricky part, Emily, is mm. in that moment, shame is telling you that you're not okay as you are. And in that yeah. moment, in that moment, you need to show up as you are, authentic. That's the opposite action. So mm. forcing him to choose you in that moment, that's fear and control and fear cycle. Right, right, right. Just dropping it and acting like you're okay. That's not being That's authentic dishonest. either, right? Mm-hmm. So, so to show up with, man, like I'm sad. I want you to choose me, um, and and I feel like when you're twisting your head that far, like you're not here with me. That's mm-hmm. hard. That's hard for me. And so, if you're vulnerable in that moment, that's the last thing you probably want to do. Be vulnerable, right? Totally. And then be boundaried. Be honestly boundaried, not in a controlling way, not in a Sean, you can't do that. You can't like, you know, but in a, in a boundary to honest way, like, Hey, I, I'm going to have a hard time going out on dates with you. If you're twisting your head like that, every time we go out, like that's just hard. Mm. For me. And uh, you're, you're welcome to go to the movie by yourself. Like I, I'm not going to control you, but I don't know if I can walk down these streets with you. If you're always doing that. Right mm. now that might sound controlling, but if your heart is coming from a place of self-protection and honesty and authenticity, that's that's good, right? That's you acting opposite to that shame. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Am I making sense? Yeah. Yeah. So then my question is, what about like, I think in our relationship, I think that 
there isn't even that physical like you know the uh, turn of the, the head I don't know. Yeah. yeah there isn't even the physical turn of the head and so it's like um there's no it's more like a felt sense that's the best way i can describe it you know but then again but then again you get into like some of that cognitive distortion like oh i know what he's thinking about i know yeah, what I like don't know, you know? Uh, are, you, are you getting aware and mindful of is this your stuff or right. is it yeah or is it or is it actually happening and getting getting grounded in that reality right and i think it's hard to know if you've been deceived and manipulated and gaslit for a long time it's like well, i i don't know what's up and what's down so maybe i'm overcompensating here um but for you to really stop, you, you got to look within a little bit and say, okay, maybe this is something I need to let go of. Like, okay, he walked into the bathroom and closed the door. Like, he might be doing something that you normally do in the bathroom. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> but I'm freaking out over here. Yes. I need to let this go. My opposite action to this is to not say anything to him. And I just need to call my sponsor and surrender this over and let this go, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it really is you stopping, checking in with yourself, really getting clear with what what is the reality here? And is this in my shame or is this actual unsafety in my relationship? Mm. And I think, you know, listening to like Brandon's example, the one, the one you just gave, Brandon, there's a couple of principles that I just want to tease out of here because i think it goes along with the question that you're asking emily it's is that you know in that situation he doesn't do this but we're using this as the example he turns his head and he pursues those things you're acknowledging you're not you're not discounting that he has those sexual feelings or drives you're actually having the discussion and setting your boundaries about his choice of what he's doing with those things Right. So if you're out in public and he happens to notice and you happen to notice, but then you guys both are able to kind of continue on and go on your merry way, walking and talking, that's different than him turning and kinking his neck all the way around. And then you're going, hey, you know, and it would be totally fair to then be open and honest, like Brandon saying, hey, that kind of hurts me. Or hey, I don't know if I want to go out with you in public if you're going to do these things and pursue those things. Um, or even, you know, something as simple as, Hey, are you, are you here with me right now? Or are you somewhere else? Right. Because then I can make my decision as to wh whether or not I want to stay with you in this moment. Right. Or the space that can be created. If it's just honest of, you know, I think there's, it's really powerful when couples get to a spot where there's enough trust. And sometimes this takes a while to develop where say my wife can go to me and we're out in public and she'll say, wow, that lady is beautiful. And I can say, yeah, she is. And that's all there needs to be. And then we can move on. And it's almost like her speaking that is her acknowledgement of, hey, there's the elephant in the room. We're here with each other. Like, we're hey, Tyler, not Tyler, could you say, wow, that lady is beautiful to her? I've done that before. Right. Um, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. And, and I think this is the point, though, is, is that uh, is that I typically won't do that because out of like respect for my wife, but I, I have before and it's still hard. Like it's okay, Emily, if it's hard, as long as there's also enough of that trust in the relationship to be able to have an open discussion about it. And, and she knows that if she brings it up or if I bring it up, it's like, yeah, that's there. That's there in our, in our world, in our life right now. We already know the direction we're going and the work we're trying to do. And I'm going to continue to move on and 
be try to be present with you here, right? So, um, yeah, but that's a hard discussion to have. Mm-hmm. It's right. interesting because, like, okay, if there's a beautiful person, you know, let's say like an attractive person, male or female, and we get squeamish about it. It's like, oh, you know, like I'm triggered. Um, uh, this is uncomfortable. Is that who is that about? That's me. I don't. That's totally me. Okay. That's yeah. all me. Yeah. So, and and that's you. Look. So so there's work to do to look at that and say, can can I actually appreciate somebody who is beautiful? Like they're beautiful. I believe they're beautiful. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then appreciate that and have that mean nothing about my worth, my, my, whether at my lovability, if, mm. you know, and, you know, remembering back on your episode, Emily, I get it. Like, I, I get why this is a thing for you because there is some subtle rejection that goes on in your relationship, um, that consistently, you know, and sexually. And so I get why for you, it's like, man, I'm, am I enough? Am I desired? Am I wanted? Am you know, and, and and I sounds like you're doing some really good work right now, uh, individually because you need to get that question answered of being loved, being wanted, being desired outside of him, and he needs to come to a real decision of do I want Emily in this relationship or not, right? And it sounds like he does fight for you, but then he sounds like he pushes you away some, keeps you at a distance, right? Which, yeah, just, which just lets that shame just simmer there and simmer there. And I'm not blaming him. What I'm saying for you is for you to deal with that shame and then you be honest and boundaried in, in your relationship about how you want your partner to show up. If you want him lukewarm with his desire for you, that's kind of what you've gotten from Sean, if I remember right. Am, am I? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and so for you, it, it might be terrifying for you to step up further for yourself to say, I am lovable and I want a man who wants me. I want a man who desires me. And either he needs to do that work to figure out how to do this with me or something else is going to happen because that's what I like. I deserve that because I'm that I'm 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 that amazing. I'm that beautiful. I'm OK. Right. Do, do you mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Kinda, Kind of going along with that, Brandon, I, my wife, Rihanna, just actually shared this quote with me just last night as we were getting ready to go to bed. And I think it's like perfectly fitting for our discussion here. It's, it's almost like a God wink to me that she shared it with me. And it says, uh, it says a bird sitting on a tree is never afraid of the branch breaking because its trust is not on the branch, but on its own wings. And, uh, if you listen to that, I think that's what we're talking about here is the more that I go into understanding myself and becoming more of myself and valuing myself and living according to my values, the less I have to worry about the branch breaking. And we'll say the in this case, the branch breaking would be him doing whatever he does because it will already be built into you to value yourself at whatever level you'll need to when the branch breaks. Um, mm. And and the and the best relationships are formed when you've got two people who know and trust in the capability of their wings to be able to come and sit on the same branch together, and then you know offer themselves to one another authentically. Um, but they all they both know 
that they've got their own values and they can trust themselves to know that they're to know that they're valuable, that they can fly. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. This is going to sound really weird, but I want to tell you a story that happened to me yesterday. So my wife was running on a trail and I was sitting on the side of the trail waiting for her to come down. And so I couldn't see her yet. Um, and I was going to give her some water and stuff. And she was coming down this trail. And as she, as I knew she was coming toward me, this man started jogging with his shirt off. Um, and he was so just like ripped. And he was like, he was probably a foot taller than me. Um, <laughs> he had like this really cool tattoo. He had this dark skin. He even had long hair, you know, <laughs> and and he, he starts running right toward her, right? So I know that they're going to pass each other. And um, I, 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 honest to goodness, this is what was my thought. Like, oh, good for her. She gets to look at him. That might motivate her a little bit <laughs> on a run. You know, like that's, that's really, and, and I realize I don't have a history of the betrayal trauma and all of that, right? So that's easy for me to mm-hmm. say. But <clears throat> I, I share this as example of, I, I know within myself I'm okay. That that has to be mm-hmm. first and foremost. Yeah, I got my shame about my body in certain ways and this and that. But overall, I know she wants me. I know she desires me. I know she wants to be in a relationship with me. So that doesn't scare me. It, it really doesn't scare me, right? So how, Emily, and back to your original question, how do you... Okay, I can say this to your head all day long. Mm-hmm. I can tell yeah. you stories like yeah. this, right? How do yeah. you move this down into your heart to have that inner peace and that confidence to say, you know what? He could reject me. He could leave me. He could, whatever he's going to do, he's going to do, but right. I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay deep down. Right. And that's the question we really want to answer today. Right. Tyler, give her the answer. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of techniques and things that we could teach and think, but I actually I'm having a thought go through my mind of uh, I was listening to the big book just on uh, on Sunday, just on yesterday, um, and there's a section in the big book that the big book, by the way, is the AA book. Yeah, yeah, it's the AA book. Yeah, so yeah, sorry, and and the section that I was listening to is talking about the case for the case for God and, or higher power. They use the, the term higher power there. And basically what it said in the big book is, is that they've never, they use this kind of weird language, but they never, they never see anyone actually get better without first, without first having a spiritual kind of an experience. And they use higher power in a lot of ways, a big broader way than maybe I do as a Christian man. But, I got thinking about that and thinking, man, my own life experience has been this way too, that there's been an emotional shift, or you could call it a spiritual experience in some of the most significant parts of my life that have changed the way that I view myself and the way that I view my higher power over the course of my own recovery. And it seems like those moments often come when I'm feeling the most broken. And for some reason, when I'm feeling the most broken, I think that's when my ego starts to come down. That's when I'm started. They start to become willing to surrender more, give away more um, of my own thoughts, my own beliefs, and and then there becomes this exercise of faith into a new space with 
in my case with God. Um, and so it's the practice, Brandon. I know this sounds weird, but I'm going to bring it all the way back around to the principle. I think it's the practice of surrender and the choice of faith. And in this case, it's not even choice of faith in my partner. It's the choice of faith in something bigger than myself that can help me to confirm my own sense of self, my own value. Does that make sense? So let's talk about with Emily on a practical level, like how that actually applies, because I totally agree with you. That's the process to to actually heal your shame, reclaim your heart and find that inner confidence and peace Um, on a practical level. Like how, how does she and, uh, and how do you, Emily, actually apply that what what is there to surrender right and once you do surrender what what would it look like for you to live and act in faith so that you get these questions answered outside of your husband or whatever right mm. I mean, the easy answers are like, you know, not monitoring what he's doing or not doing, you know, not doing his recovery and all that stuff. But, um, but Emily, what's underneath that, that you need to surrender? My fear. Yeah. My fear. For sure. The fear. How do you surrender that? Right. Like, how do you, how do you, you, you get to know it? You see it, and then how do you give it up? You know how? Um, no, I don't think I do. Could I add to it, Brandon, mm-hmm. for a second? Because you do see it. And I think that's you actually acknowledge it, and you're like, this is my shame, and it's based off of fear, the fear that there's something wrong with me, that I'll be disconnected or unloved. Right? A lot of people don't even get that far. Yeah. I mean, you're already, you're already, <laughs> you're, you're in the uncomfortable part of this where you kind of know, but you don't know, don't know how to break it. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. but you know, like you have this awareness and, and it's actually pretty beautiful. Um, connected to that fear. You know, you said you, you, you looked at some behaviors that are connected to that fear. Like, Oh, I can stop controlling. I can stop. Actually, those are probably some some things that you're going to want to work on, but why? And the why is go go one step deeper than that. What are the beliefs that are attached to the fear? We call those agreements. We call those false agreements. What are the beliefs about myself that are attached to that fear? And once I start to tease those out, then we can start to actually work on some of those things too. Oh, beliefs that are attached to fear. I don't know. First one is like, I know I learned this in my childhood, but like I'm responsible for other people's actions. Mm-hmm. Like that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a big um, one. Right. Which, because then that means like safety comes from other people. Mm-hmm. And you're responsible um, for other people. That makes me responsible. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can see how difficult that would be to surrender that. Like yeah, that'd be, that'd be hard to let go. That's what, scary. Scary to let that go. What would your life look like if you actually let that belief go? Oh, I'd probably 
Be less anxious? Probably, yeah. You'd be less anxious. I would guess you'd yeah. be I would guess you'd be more anxious at first. Yeah. Because you, you see what I'm saying? Because it's scary. Yeah. It's, it's like scary. you're you're acting yeah. opposite. And then you'd realize, like, oh, that's actually true. And I can let this go. And then you'd be less anxious. Yeah. Yeah. So so you'd be less anxious over time, of course. It's always scary to let go of anything that you've held on to for a long time. You would be less anxious if you let go of that belief, which would then mean your overall quality of life would be better. Mm-hmm. How would it affect your how would it affect your sense of self or your confidence if you were to if you could never believe that belief again? That I, if I if I no longer believed that I was yeah. responsible for other people. Yeah. It couldn't even go into your brain that that you're responsible mm. for other people's actions. Mm. Well, I I guess in the context of my relationship, I would be like, oh, okay, he's gonna figure it out or he won't, and that would be I would there'd be like a line in the sand. I'd be like, okay, good luck, be, figure it out. You'd be interdependent with him. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. There's a, and Tyler's kind of doing this. There, so in parts work, IFS, mm-hmm. um, we talk about surrender and surrendering beliefs. And um, parts work is beautiful because what it does is it helps you apply compassion, self-compassion um, to accepting all the parts of you. So um, really a, lo- a ton of appreciation for honestly, a lot of these faulty core beliefs and shame that you've had that has protected you. And when you have compassion and acceptance of those things inside of you, Emily, then you're able to acknowledge them, ask them to step down and ask other parts to come in. And so in those moments of, of like trigger, um, Mm -hmm. you're able to say, whoa, like I want to control, whoa, I want to obsess, whoa, I can see that I want to do that. Thank you. Thank you for trying to protect me. I appreciate you stepping up for me right now. I'm going to actually bring this other part of me in that's the more courageous part and the more vulnerable part in this moment that's really scary to bring in right now. But I know, Emily, that is inside of you. You're here talking to us again. Um, You're very, you're very open to to things. You're very self-aware. Bring those parts in, in those Mm. moments of shame. The other parts of the shame-based parts, the protective parts will automatically kick into gear. And you actually have it, the power within you to say, thank you, but no, thank you. Let's, let's try this instead. And as you practice that, the belief systems start to shift. As the belief system starts to change, your whole paradigm changes. And the way you resonate as a human being changes and you're no longer stuck in that shame. And we get to your heart. Mm. We get out of your head and into your heart because you're experiencing it. Did you see even, and I don't know, a lot of our people are just listening and not watching it, but did you see her countenance change when we just had her consider taking off that belief? Yeah. 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 I felt it. Did you feel it? Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I'd probably be so unbothered. (laughs) Something shifted in you, even the way you were sitting, like you just kind of like, there was an energy that came off of you in a different way. 
like almost like an unburdening kind of a thing. And mm-hmm. I think where Brandon's going is is really important for you because I, th- I hear that you're already doing this kind of work, but meeting that part that feels obsessive or feels scared or feels vulnerable with the practice of self-compassion is actually kind of connecting to the thing that I was saying earlier about having a, an emotional or a spiritual experience. I happen to be Christian. I believe God in God. And I love a scripture that says God is love. And Mm -hmm. if I'm subjecting myself, even if I'm the one that's actually setting it up to the experience of self-compassion, in essence, I'm opening myself to the experience of love. And the experience of love is what's going to start to shift that belief system that Brandon's talking about. And I I would take it even a step further that after the self-compassion and awareness of, oh, this part of me is trying to protect me and, oh man, I'm going to practice this self-compassion as soon as I recognize what's happening, that's when I then take an act of courage to act opposite to the old belief to reinforce that I'm choosing something new. And so now instead of like going and being controlling, I'm going to surrender. Or now I'm going to share my true feelings about how, man, it's it's not very fun to to go to the beach and watch my partner like, you know, get a kinked neck, right? Like, <laughs> Um, I can be honest about that now. That's an act opposite to the compulsion that's been kind of causing this fear inside but, of me. But being honest about that is being vulnerable and open about who you are. It's not controlling him, right? Because then we're back to those old shame-based shame screens, you know, that are reinforcing I'm not enough. Yeah. Um, versus I am enough and I'm going to show him who I am in these moments and he can choose to love me or not. Yeah. I, uh, I heard, um, you're familiar. I think you like his stuff, Brennan, Dr. Gabor Mate. Well, I love him. Yeah. Yeah. I heard, I heard a quote from him on Saturday that, uh, that kind of really hit me. And it's again, fits into this conversation we're having that he was talking about vulnerability and the definite, his definition of vulnerability was vulnerability is our capacity to be wounded. That's Mm -hmm. an interesting definition. In essence, I'm willing to put myself into these arenas because I can trust myself to manage what might happen. And the more that I can do that, the greater level of vulnerability I can live at because I'm the bird who knows how to fly. It allows me to then have this full range of living experience that I otherwise wouldn't if I was always trying to like never, never take a risk or get hurt or whatever. Right. And we can develop that, especially when we're building our own lives based on a a a life of love and self-acceptance so you know tyler i um i i wim hoffed twice in the last 24 hours um (laughs) and uh i have to run 16 miles tonight and i'm not saying all this to to brag or anything (laughs) like the truth is is like um this is painful stuff and and I, this is like me choosing to set up pain in my life. Why would I do that? Um, it's really vulnerable when you're on mile eight and you start wearing down and wondering if you're going to make it all the way. Um, it's really vulnerable when you get up to a certain part in your body in that in that uh, cold water and you know shrinkage starts to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but here's here's my point. It's uncomfortable. Um, and 
we are very good at protecting against discomfort. And back to your question, Emily, how do you shift it from your head? Your head is your protector. Your ego is very good at at hedging against vulnerability. And the way that you shift it into your heart is by stepping into the arena and allowing yourself to feel all of the pain and all of the joy, both of it. You have to subject yourself to that. And the way that you're going to know that you're enough is by stop showing up as not enough. Mm-hmm. The way that you're going to know that you're enough is by sitting in a really uncomfortable place of like, I don't know if I fully believe this, but I'm going to step up for myself. Um, that's like getting down to the water at a certain level. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. Okay, hang in there. Sit in there for a minute. Because you're going to realize like, I can do this. I'm you can capable. push. You can push past mile eight. You can do that. And when you get to mile nine, 10, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm flying here. This feels great. But you won't get to those feelings and you won't know that. You won't know that you can do that at mile 10 until you have actually sat through the almost that forsaking feeling of, I don't know if I can do this. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. All my analogies. Yeah. My therapist talks about it as like, acting as if you're secure because I, I so she's always talking about like act as if you're secure we're kind of losing Emily Tyler yeah we did for just a second there but I really loved what she just said act as if you're secure which is terrifying if you're feeling like you're not a hundred percent. And I would say that adding on, adding on the piece of acknowledging and, and practicing self-compassion first so that you know that you're acting as if you're secure is, is the important part, right? It's like, I can see that I'm insecure. I'm going to act as if I am secure because I'm training myself to live differently and be different. Right. 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 It's interesting, Tyler, the, the, you know, this nature of life, if you got a, my son has a toothache, he has to go to the dentist and get a tooth pulled in order to feel better. Yes. So, so it's, you know, if you have an emotional issue, a spiritual issue, you're probably going to need to step into some pain in order to feel better. Um, and, and, and it's, it's that old quote that I always give, which is, you know, the way out of the pathway out of hell is through misery. And we oftentimes don't want to face the misery, so we stay stuck in the hell. And to act as if you're secure could feel pretty miserable because that's uncomfortable. That's vulnerable. Step into that misery so you don't stay stuck in the hell of the shame. Right? Emily, we had lost you for just a second there. Um, I know we're about out of time. Any other thoughts that are on your mind or feelings on your heart right now with what we've talked about today? Um, no, it's, this is good. I mean, I think I've been doing this stuff. It's good confirmation for it. You know, um, it's a process. Oh, uh, that's the part I hate is it's, it's like a process, you know, <laughs> yeah. but it's okay. I think the best I've been doing by acting is if I'm secure, it's like starting to ask for things that I want. Love it. Um, in the context of my relationship. I keep, keep the good work going, Emily. You're doing awesome. I think awesome. it's awesome. I, I totally think so, that you're you know, on the right building track. Building that. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think we're having some more connectivity issues, but I do think Emily, if you can hear us, you're absolutely on the right track. Thank you for your willingness to come on the show today and be willing to share yourself and ask questions and have an open discussion. No doubt in my mind, you're going to find some success and continue groundedness in the work you're doing. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks again, Emily. Thanks.